You're basically John the Baptist for the league. Well, it needs one. It needs a messiah to come after you. You end up beheaded, but, you know, yeah. for, for the good of the game. Well, you'd be willing to lay down your life, right? OTB AM. Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB's The Hurling Pod with James Skell and Paul Murphy. People of Galway, we love you! I don't want to leave the people of Waterford down, you know, because they're my life, you know. People of Waterford are my life, you know, and I, 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 I love, I love, I love my county, you know. We love Jamalad. It's almost like they're afraid to kind of mm. go and hurl and yeah. just let themselves express themselves. They're, it's like as if they're nearly afraid to make a mistake and sometimes you have to make a mistake and just throw off that bit of nervousness and have a go. Yeah, it's pure constipated hurling. Welcome along to the last episode of Season 1 of The Hurling Pod where we're going to try and tie up the inter-county campaign in a nice little package. It's the end of an era in Kilkenny. Brian Cody has brought the curtain down on his 24 years in charge of the Cats. Quite a remarkable run. The team winning 11 All-Ireland titles, 18 Leinsters, just the 10 National Leagues during that time. We'll be reflecting on the James Stevens Clubman's unparalleled run of success and ponder who could succeed him next. James and Paul will be picking their team of the season and favourite moments of the year gone by. And they'll also be answering your questions coming out of our post-All-Ireland final episode from last week. And plenty have come in over the last 24 hours or so, especially. James Gell, Paul Murphy, how are you getting on, lads? How's it going, lads? Good, how are things? I was worried this was going to be a quiet episode. And then last Saturday, I get into work and Tipperary confirmed that Park Maher is going back in as a selector just six months after he'd retired. So I'm thinking, oh, we can have a chat about Liam Cowell's backroom team and how quickly Park Maher has gone back in. Then, you know, about two hours later, Brian Cody decides to upstage all that and confirms after a week of rumours, Paul, around Kilkenny that he was going to leave. Because I remember, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday of last week, I had heard through some Kilkenny officials that Brian Cody was considering his future. They said, don't expect any news until the weekend, but he could well be gone. And then here we were, Saturday lunchtime, the news comes in that Brian Cody has gone after almost a quarter of a century. Yeah, and it was, uh, like you were saying there, it was an interesting move out of him to do a slight tackle on the All-Ireland football final, a good Kilkenny move as well, just to hinder the All-Ireland football final by announcing it. But uh, yeah, no, sure, look, we, we were texting obviously during the week and uh, I was saying that, I'd, I'd actually heard stuff and because from people I was hearing it from I was thinking actually there is something to this um, because I think it was natural enough that after the final people would just start asking questions straight away and it's been the case for the last you know five years six years will Brian stay on so I was kind of thinking to myself look until we actually until there's a bit of white smoke here you know as in there's no, I don't know what to believe but uh, yeah it's amazing how quickly it came about on Saturday that just you know here we are now finally a moment that you know seemed like really in some ways you never thought you'd see the day. Um, but at the same time, people have been asking the question for the last five years in terms of, understandably, he's been there for a long time and, you know, the appetite and the hunger which which prevailed right till the end. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, I suppose it's, it's been a big week around Kilkenny. Yeah, because the thing as well is, Paul, we've had intense conversation around Brian Cody and his future probably since the 2019 final against Tipperary. It was almost exactly the same debate as this year. People were saying, oh, if he gets the 12th, maybe he'll make that decision to walk away and maybe that's what it needs to be. It needs to be a Liam McCarthy season for Brian Cody to leave. And then after the two COVID years, there was plenty of speculation and David Herity spoke about that a couple of weeks ago on OTBAM that he had heard from solid enough sources that Cody had thought about stepping down in 20 and 21. And then even when I heard it last week, 
I wasn't inclined to totally believe the rumours that were going around, even though you know, they were coming from reasonable sources saying that Brian was genuinely thinking about stepping away this time. Like, right up until the announcement actually came out, there was part of me thinking, he could well U-turn yet and still go back in for next year. Yeah, exactly. And I think if he, if Kilkenny had won the All-Ireland, I think a lot of us would believe a lot more, well, this is the exact moment that he will step away. But because they didn't win it again, and, and similar, like you're saying, you know, during COVID there, there was lots of talks. And, you know, I remember there was a week or two period, um, I think it was at the end of 2020 maybe, where there were strong talks, wherever it was coming from. Um, you know, there was big talk that he might step away. So I suppose it's it's, it's nearly like the buy great wolf for, for us as people looking in that we've heard it so many times. A lot of us were kind of, maybe going, oh, I don't know, until I see it, I, I'm not going to believe it. But, um, you know, the rumour mill, especially, you know, at the end of seasons is just huge and even during seasons as well. But, you know, I think for a lot of us, until we actually saw, right, a statement is out, um, I don't think a lot of us would believe it until we see it. Yeah. Skell, what was your reaction? <clears throat> um, good luck, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck. Look, I... Um, I suppose not, not to be um, too harsh on the man I say, but in in terms of inter-county management nowadays and the demands it puts on both players and people involved in management, like it's quite intense. Um, so I can imagine there's a lot of scrutiny, even though he's won an awful lot. I can, I can imagine it's, it's still an intense environment for him himself, trying to constantly, I suppose, change things up to to co- coincide with the modern game, the way it's been changed, and then looking at Limerick trying to chase that pack, etc. So it feels like a right time. Do I mean the man has done enough in the game? To uh, to Warren stepping down whenever he feels he feels necessary. Like he he he. I'd say if he went back to the Kilkenny County Board and asked for, no, I won't say asked, but but implied he was going for another two years, he'd be accepted with open arms. So I think probably it was just a life decision on his behalf. And um, look, he has a great record, so fair play to him. The other thing as well is all this week, James. People have been talking about. Alex Ferguson, David Moyes. That's the comparison that's coming around here. It's like, how do you follow someone who's been so successful and it's difficult for the next guy through the gate is always the implication here. The only thing is, Mickey Hart left the role in Tyrone. We were all wondering what was going to happen. And then the two guys come in and within a very short period of time, they're going to Crow Park to pick up the Sam Maguire. It doesn't necessarily mean that Kilkenny are going to go backwards now that Cody's gone. No, I, I kind of have a different outlook on that because like professional sports, you can't compare professional amateur sports. Um, you can compare them in some elements, but certainly not in the in the role of management. Because, like, for a professional manager, the the the, the fastest method of improvement in a team is recruitment. You can go out there and you can buy players. You know what I mean? With unlimited budgets that's funded through the business, which is essentially is the club. You know, whereas in amateur sport, you don't have the luxury. So you're going in and you're depending on your own philosophy, your own personal relations with with players, and trying to get the best out of them to maximize, maximize what they have. And like that's why I think anyone who steps into Kinney at and next, you could say, is stepping into a really good situation. So, like, there's there's proof there that they can contest with the, the Ireland champions as now very closely. So it's not as if you're going into a, a, a suffering environment or, or sinking ship. It's not the case whatsoever. It's much different when you're dealing with professional athletes and, and sportsmen that have huge egos, like money-driven success, etc. Whereas you're going into a group of guys who who are trying to just achieve in Ireland. That's it for for all the right reasons, you know. And I'm looking at and like, don't get me wrong, Brian Cody is a fantastic manager. But he also had some of the best players that ever played the game, you know. So it, these things go hand in hand, especially with amateur sport. If I was to list off, you know, ten of the best players ever, I would probably say five of them would have heard for Kenny in the last twenty years. Do you know what I mean? That's just kind of the way I look. I, I'd probably go Tommy, Henry, JJ, you know, TJ, etc. So you're talking about the best players, and so like Brian's record albeit fantastic, coincided with the emergence of some of the greatest players ever. So that's always going to be there in Kilkenny. So I'm not saying the next greatest player is coming, but I'm saying it's it's not that terribly difficult to breed a player of quality 
when you've got like the conveyor belt that the Kenny have, whether it be in schools, etc., or underage. So whoever takes over the job next is coming into a much different situation than than David Moyes is going to in United. Paul, we've had a few extra days for this to you know maybe sink in in Kilkenny because a lot of reaction there was about Cody was Saturday Sunday. Understandably, you know you've got newspapers and radio stations and TV who are scrambling to try and get ex players to have a chat and whatever else. Now that we've had nearly a week to digest this. What is the feeling in Kilkenny about him being gone now? Is is there optimism that someone else comes in and Kilkenny can just keep rocking on? Or what's the feeling now? I think, well, I suppose, for Brian's retirement in general, you know, I think regardless of how much success we had, you know, I think people just appreciate that we had Brian for such a long time and that we were so successful. People look at that period and okay, we're gone past that now and we're trying to get back on the roster of winning all Ireland's. But people appreciate the time we had and they acknowledge that, okay, you're not going to have the golden years forever. And they appreciate Brian's time. And they kind of went, well, it went on a good few years more than a lot of managers would have taken it on for. Um, so I think just at the moment, even chatting to people, I met a few people in Kenny today and they were asking about who's coming in. And But their general tone towards, you know, the time we had with Brian was just like, you know, fair play to him that he kept going for so long. It was brilliant. He gave so much to Kenny Harlan. But they understand completely that, you know, we, we can't ask this man to keep going year and year and year. And like James said, it's huge demands on, on any one person, regardless how hungry or how driven you are. In terms of a new manager coming in, um, you know, people again are speculating. There's obviously a few names that are, that are being bandied around at the moment. And I think people are quietly optimistic from the point of view that, you know, they understand that it's not going to be easy boots to fill. Of course not. But at the same time, we have a group of players who, you know, pushed one of the greatest teams, you know, in any generation, really close in the All-Ireland Final. That core group of players are there. I think if Brian stepped away and Kilkenny had a horrendous year, you'd be going, where are we going to go with this? But, you know, you have, you have personnel there. Like, look, I mean, we all know Derek Ling has been linked with the job. Again, I don't know how close or how far away he is or what the story is there. But Derek Ling led an under-20 team to an All-Ireland final and these lads probably weren't even tipped to come out of Leinster, you know? So the idea that, for me, the likes of Derek Ling, he obviously draws a huge amount from players. I worked with Derek as well, won All-Irelands with him in terms of him as a selector. So there are certainly options there and we have great lads, you know, Eddie Brendan, these lads. I know Eddie said during the week that he wouldn't like to do it because of uh, David Moyes, Alex Ferguson situation. But there's lots of lads there that have the calibre to step into the breach, fill that role. And I think people in Kilkenny are just curious now as to... You know, for so long we've known who the manager is with Kilkenny. We've never had to ask this question. So it's very unusual waters to be in for Kilkenny people going, who's going to be manager of Kilkenny next year? And at the moment, there's a good few names in the hat. Um, and I think it'll take a good few weeks to, to trash it out. But at the same time, the name will have to come quick enough because each year, the time for when Kilkenny get back or for when any intercounty team get back training comes earlier and earlier. So the earlier you actually have that person in place, the more it'll stand to any team or any players or any group going into the following year. Yeah, we've spoken before on the pod, Paul, about the fact that you know some of Cody's former players have now been stepping into intercounty management in the last few years. And you could look at Eddie Brennan, you could David Herity, um, Henry Shefflin, who I'm sure we can talk about his situation with Galway in more detail with both of you in a moment. But on the face of it, it looks like Ling is almost the ideal continuity appointment if he was to come in because he's been involved previously with the backroom team. As you said, just on the back of the under-20s, obviously internal to the county too. On the face of it, on paper, he looks like almost an ideal candidate. Yeah, he does. Um, you know, there's lots of th- there's lots of boxes there that Derek ticks. Again, like I said, he was selector of one All Ireland's with him, and uh, Derek is, is has all the, the the makings of a great manager. Um, you know, he was a great fella to have in the dressing room. 
great way about him and he, he, he has a great way of communicating with players as well. You know, he would have been involved with a lot of the current team that are there, um, you know, up as far as 2019. Like, you know, he was involved. So he knows a lot of the current players that are there. Again, he was involved with the under 20. So he knows who is capable now to step into this Kilkenny senior panel. So there's so many things there where, you know, Derek Ling obviously does tick a lot of those boxes and it would make for, I suppose, quite a bit of a more seamless transition. But that's not to say that I think, you know, obviously Henry's name has been mentioned and Eddie Brennan and David Herity, Michael Fenley. You know, there's so many lads there that have stepped into the management uh, role over the last few years that, you know, I'd be, I'd be confident there's many lads there that could step into that role. But yeah, look, Derek Ling is ticking a lot of boxes at the moment. Right, James. Any chance that Henry Shefflin is going to U-turn and leave Galway behind after just one season? Um, <clears throat> normally, I'd rush to an answer and just say no, no chance. But I'm, I need to take a, I need to take a more methodical approach to this one. Um, I, I I would look a bit closer at Henry's situation, and and you know we finished the year on I suppose a relatively positive note with a really good performance. But like he himself has had a, quite a tough year, so I I certainly for one will not speak on what his thought process is in his own head with regard to. Um, you know, the last eight, seven or eight months or, or seven or eight months to come. So if I would probably give it a 75, 80, 80% chance he stays, 20% he goes. Um, and I don't think he'd go straight into a kidney job. I, I just find it hard to see, not to say it won't happen, but I, I'd say if he does anything, he might, if he does go from Galway, I'd say he'd probably step away and take a break entirely. Mm. Just uh, that'd be my gush telling me. Um, but, and I don't see him probably taking the kidney reins for a couple of years. And I, I agree with Murph, like from, from an outsider looking in, it does look like that Derek Ling is probably the, I won't say the favourite candidate, but probably the most, not even the most qualified, but it seems to be the right time for him. You know, it just all, all the, the things are lined up with the guards. And the big one is the under-20s, uh, you know, having, I suppose, the knowledge, the deep knowledge of, of the, the young lads coming through into a senior setup that's already semi-successful. So he seems like the right man and the right bridge between the two age groups. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that Henry will still be in the Galway post next year. He'll be, he'll honour his two-year term and that uh, Derek Lee will be in the Kilkenny hot seat. Yeah, because the feeling I got, Scott, from everything that Shefflin has said, and look, I appreciate it's very different because the Kilkenny job has never been available. And probably when he decided to take over Galway last year, I doubt he was thinking that Cody was going to be gone by the end of the current season. He's given his commitment to go for two years. He's spoken very positively about everything that Galway have done so far this year too. Mm-hmm. I don't get the feeling that Shefflin would want to actually turn around on that as quickly as one year. No, I find it very difficult because like, how much can you actually build in one year? And like we've seen a whole host of managers coming in and they've done very, very positive work in year one and it seems to be like year two, heading into year three, they, they, they do their best work and like, I could name John Kiley, I could name Brian Lohan, I could name Flippin' Jorgen Klopp and these are all these different type of managers who have come in, established their own set of standards and their own kind of parameters around the team and say with what they, the rules, etc and the way that the style that they put into a team, obviously he came up, Henry has a different style to that, probably of the, the traditional Galway style, implemented that with the help of some local selectors and probably is, is not finishing that journey. So I'd say he comes back next year and just is a continuation of that. He, he knows the players much better, much, much better. He's a club championship to look forward to, which is starting this weekend, and who knows who he'd find. Like, um, essentially, he found two new players this year who had two stellar years. So if that can be repeated next year, you know, like, it's more, it's more continuity from a Galway perspective. So I'd see, I'd see him staying and just probably continuing the work he's done because of the knowledge and the traction he's gained in this year gone. So that's why I find it, I find it very difficult to see a situation whereby he leaves. You know, like, and I, I am giving it a 20. I'm sticking to that. But mm. again, the 20 has probably been a bit even too high in that, that instance. But, uh, but I see no situation where he hops into the Kinney job. Well, look, Paul, you know Henry Shefflin as a player, as a friend, as a former colleague. If the Kilkenny County Board came calling, is there any way you could see him changing his mind and going there as quickly as one year? 
Yeah, I, I could. And again, I think it's it's the same way that James says that there's a 20% chance. Like, of course, there's a chance. I could see it. Um, you know, because there's lots of things there. Uh, I, I do think that he probably stays with Galway. I agree with James. I think he does stay with Galway because, again, I think Henry's type of fellow that he gives a commitment and he he goes with it. Now, I think if he turns away from that, I don't think anyone's going to judge him for it because, like we said, Henry's had a tough year. It's not to harp on that too much. But, you know, the commitment of driving to Galway you know, three times a week, probably four times. I'm sure they're meeting more than that. Like that in itself, for, for somebody who, who has a good few children and, you know, lives in Ballyhale and different things, that in itself is a huge commitment. To do that for one year, it's a huge commitment. And, you know, there may be a part of them that might look at it and go, well, if I was in Kilkenny, you know, I get a, a certain element of my family life back and I can not only do a job that I really want to do, but a bit of balance restores to my life in that I'm not spending three nights a week, half the week really in Galway training the team. Um, but I don't think so. I think if Henry made the commitment at the start last year, he was well aware that he's going to be there for two years, possibly three, four, if it's going well. So he made that commitment knowing that this was something he was going to have to do for maybe two or three years. So I think he certainly does think about it. I think if Kilkenny County Board ring him, and I think Kilkenny County Board do ring him. I think they ring a good few people and they kind of say, listen, you know, have a think about it. We may be meeting people and so on. And I think they do contact Henry. And I think Henry, understandably enough, sits down, you know, talks to Deirdre, figures out what do I do? What's best for me? You can guarantee there'll be a part of, part of his heart there is going, this is the job I want. But also he can understand that, well, that job will be there in a good few years for him still. It'll be, it'll be there down the line. It'll be there in five years, 10 years for him. So I think he just has to make what's good, what's, what's good for Henry now. What's, and he does have a good thing going in Galway as far as I'm concerned. He has, he seems to be building a good spirit in that team. They're headed in the right direction. And I think similar enough, um, you know, to the likes of, Lean Cal, let's say, obviously not this year, but like in Waterford, where he was like, well, do you know what? I'm stepping out of my own county. I'm going to build a bit of a project here. I'm going to show what I'm capable of. And then when the time is right, I'm going to maybe return back to my own county. So I think it's it, only Henry could answer that, but I think he might just stick with Galway at the moment um, and let the dust settle and everything else and in, in, due, in due course come back. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if I saw him stepping into the Kenny job. Yeah, if we can park <clears throat> Henry off to one side for a second, Paul, and look at potentially, say, something like Kildare, you were a number of their legends came together with Glenn Ryan as the figurehead for their football team last year. Could Kenny do something similar to that when you look at how many ex-players are currently being linked with it? I mean, we have Michael Fenley and Eddie Brennan on off the ball this week and like Eddie wasn't really distanced himself from it. He made the joke about um, David Moyes, but was very much, I only really talk about these things if I'm approached. And now Michael Fenley is freed up by the fact that Offaly haven't kept him for another season. So there's two former players that are available. I don't know what David Herdy's situation is going to be with Kildare into the coming year, but if he was to get a call... Is there a possibility that it mightn't just be Derek Ling, but some of these guys could come in as part of the backroom team as well? I think so. Um, for, for any of the lads, and again, this this probably has a little bit of a legacy thing with Brian staying on so long. There's nearly like a pool of players here that, you know, are, are retired almost 10 years and so on, and that they kind of go, well, if one of them is to step in, I think it's natural that you pick up the phone and you maybe ring a reliable a reliable head that you used to have in the dressing room, that you know their opinion, you know where they're coming from, you know what type of trainer they were, um, you value their opinion. So I think it's natural enough that these lads do pick up the phone. Like, you know, if, if for example, if, if Derek Ling goes in, um, or let's, let's say Mick Fenley, if Mick Fenley goes in, I think he picks up the phone and maybe rings JJ and says, you know, JJ, you're interested. Okay, you haven't been involved in management, but you're JJ Delaney. You have a good, you have a good view on these things. Um, and from them being in dressing rooms before, you'd know that JJ is a great speaker. He's great understanding of the game, obviously. So I think it's natural that if a player steps in, 
you want to surround yourself with obviously people you trust, people you value their opinion. Again, you're going to have your experts who are your strength and conditioning lads and so on that you may have not soldiered with before. But in terms of selectors and coaches, you're going to maybe turn and go, okay, well, I'd like to have a lad beside me that I've soldiered with for a few years and that I respect their opinion and I know what way they talk. And that's the similar way to the way I talk. And so I think it's natural that potentially you could have a situation here where let's say Derek Lynn goes in and potentially Michael Fenley and David Herity are in there as well. I'm not speaking for the lads. I don't know, but it, again, it does make, that would make sense if something like that happened. Um, but those lads as well, like, I mean, David Herity is capable of, I mean, of course, I mean, inter-county manager on his own and, and he has great ideas for how a team should, should be taken over and for what he wants a team to play. So I think a lot of these lads also have to consider that do they want to be a selector with someone or do they want to do their own job? And I think a lot of them kind of want to do their own job, but I wouldn't be surprised at all to see a pool of as maybe two or three players, ex-players coming together and I suppose uh, bolstering, bolstering the manage, managerial job there. But do, Murph, do you not think they're, they're all ambitious in their own right and they won't come together because they'll want the Kikini job at some stage themselves. That's well, that, why they got into management, isn't it? Well, that's what I was saying, like that, you know, these lads individually have their own ideas. You know, Michael Fenley has his own ideas. Uh, David Herity has his own ideas. Derek Ling has his own and, and for those reasons alone, similar enough when, you know, people would have speculated about Henry going in with Brian, you know, Henry would have probably said, you know what, I have my own ideas. I want to stand alone. And that's 100%. But I still think you probably asked them anyway, you know, because they might go, okay, maybe I'd rather for the moment, if I'm going to step into the Kilkenny job, be a selector and if you want to go to reins happy days but these this is what I'm going to bring to the job um, those conversations can be had but again it'll come down to the person in, 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 in particular to say actually do you know what I'm happy managing Kildare I'm happy managing Offaly I'm happy I'm happy standing alone and that's what I want to do but I still think they have the conversations regardless I'm intrigued as well Paul to find out at some point when Brian Cody came to this decision or how long it's been in his mind because it's only a couple of months ago that we were talking about how fiery he was in Salt Hill and like he hadn't lost any of his drive towards success and wasn't afraid to be frosty with one of his former best players and one of his generals on the pitch when it came to him and Henry. And then you fast forward a couple of months and he's retiring at the end of the All-Ireland Final. I wonder did Cody go into the season thinking he was going to do this or I wonder what actually made his mind up along the way. Yeah, I think it is a decision that Brian probably took uh, maybe not took earlier in the year, but started leaning heavily towards it. I don't think it's something that he decided uh, over a space of a week or two weeks. I think it's something that maybe, you know, again, it could be a conversation he's been having the last two or three years as to, you know, how long more will I stay going? What's our plans? Obviously, the man, you know, wants to enjoy his retirement and he wants to go and, you know, I'm sure he's lots of things he wants to do. Um, but I think it's a conversation that Brian would have known from very early on this year that this is potentially something that's going to happen at the end of the year and let's just assess it as the year goes on and then after the final again basically then he has to sit down and go okay am I going to do this am I not at that stage he's probably 95% sure but why not take a few days afterwards and I think that is how it happened I don't think it was a quick decision I think Brian's had him long enough to think about this he knows the reasons why he's stepping away for whatever they are Um, but I think he takes it very considered steps over the whole year and just went you know what it's yeah, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to step away. I'm going to leave and has those conversations with with, with everyone at home. Yeah, like James, like we don't have the Kilkenny insight that Murph has and all this, but like just for me looking at it as an outsider, of all the years to leave, they've just come off the back of a pretty decent All Ireland final performance a couple of weeks ago. We only spoke about you know, how well they did against the Limerick team, who may well be the best team since that Kilkenny team of the late zero zeros. Mm-hmm. He's won a third Leinster title in a row. There are some interesting young players coming through right now. He's got two of the last three young hurlers of the year who are about to come into their peak. In a way, if there was any time to leave, this seems like it was a good time to actually stay on. 
Yeah, I, I think we're probably getting a bit... Uh, the end result, which would be just just about losing an Ireland final, is probably overshadowing probably his decision. I agree with Murph. I don't think this was this was made in the last couple of weeks. I'd say this was a decision that was set from the, the year's outset. I'd say there was a discussion with his family at home. Um, I doubt he discussed with any Kikini officials, and he just went through the year probably knowing that that it was going to be his last. Um, and I'd say just that it just it's coincidental that... It coincided with a really good year for Kenny. You know, I, I just don't, I don't think that was Swayze's decision anyway. Um, and, and just as much, I don't think the fact that Limerick are at the, the peak of the powers was Swayze's decision anyway. I think he just thinks solely about Kenny and, and their processes and their team and their guys. Um, and I'd say he just looked at himself and said, he's given enough. Like, he's given what? Are we talking 23, 24 years? Maybe 25 seasons? I can't, I can't, I can't remember when he took the job. Um, so, like, he's, he's, he's poured every bit of his soul into that job, you could say for the best part of a quarter of a century. So I'd imagine it was a decision that was made months ago. And look, at, yes, you and I and Paul, we can talk about the all the positives around the Kikini team, but I'd say, you know, that's for the next man to take up. Alas, I can't forget the fact that he took over in the winter of 1998 into the 99 season because Offaly had beaten Kilkenny in the All-Ireland yeah. final and Offaly have not beaten Kilkenny since. So Brian Cody ended any chance of Offaly had of beating uh, Kilkenny in a game well, early. Next year? Yeah, next year exactly. It's, we'll see you in the Walsh Cup and see how it goes. Um, <laughs> the Walsh Cup. I, but that's it's the only place Offaly are going to play them next year in Division yeah, yeah. Two of the league, and they're in the Joe McDonough. So I'm only half been facetious if the Walsh Cup is the only place they can beat them. Um, the other thing as well uh, that won't have been any way surprising, Skell, is one of your former managers probably booked the trend of everything that's been happening about Cody all week. So I've been kind of listening to the various interviews, reading the papers during the week, and it's been unparalleled <laughs> success, greatest man GA history, the Alex Ferguson of the GA, yada, 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 yada. And then Gerald <laughs> Knight comes out and says, hey, you know what? Brian Cody's got the biggest ego in the game. And really what you've read this week is just the impression of Brian Cody that Brian Cody's been putting out from his former players. Yeah, but like... Okay, I'm not just saying it because he's my former manager, right? Okay, but I, I'm, I do agree with him to a certain extent, you know. Maybe I wouldn't, uh, you know, communicate in the same manner as with Jerwood because, like, he's, he's a very colourful character, Jer. Where would it be without him in GA circles? But, like, I think if you're a top-level sports person across the board, uh, whether it's a, a manager of an amateur hurling team or a flipping professional tennis player, whatever it is, you have to have some a level of confidence that borderlines a big ego. Like, and if you ever listen to Brian Cody in interviews, and you can feel it through the radio as well, or even watch television. Everyone will call it an aura, but it, yes, it's an aura. But he also exudes an extreme confidence. You know that probably could look like an ego. Um, and I think if people are going into a high-performing environment, they have to have an ego. They have to believe that they're the best. You know what I mean? Uh, amongst all their peers, that 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 they're that everyone else is below them to a certain extent. You know what I mean? And then try and transfer that over to their team. So I. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say it. I agree with you. <laughs> Maybe not word for word. Yeah, not word for word, but I agree with certainly the, the substance of what he's trying to say. And uh, I reckon if I if I pass it over to Murphy, he'd agree with me too. Floor's all yours, Paul. Yes, Murphy. <laughs> so I asked me, does, does Brian have an ego? Is that what you're asking me? <laughs> I didn't say a word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd agree with you, James. Like, I didn't read the article, but I'd agree. Like, I would have seen a few things with Brian before, obviously, where he's saying that there's no ego in dressing room. Like, I know what he's saying, but I would say that, you know, all inter-county players have an ego. It's just a matter of how dialed up or dialed down it is and it, how you control, I suppose, the negative traits in that. Now, not to go too down to sports psychology, any of that crack, but, like, 
you know, if you believe you're the best player in your position, you go out and you can mark a man, you can you can mark him off the pitch. There's ego in that, like you yeah. know, there's belief in that, and there's for me, there's a fine line between you know belief and ego and confidence. And all. They're all kind of mixed in together. And again, I'm sure there's a sports psychologist somewhere pulling their hair out saying, "No, that's not the case." But like you have to understand, yeah, brain brain does have an ego. I have an ego. We all have it. It's a matter of how does that ego. Um, show itself like if you're competitive if you if you want to win and you hate losing there's ego in that like you know there's ego in that I don't want to be associated as as a loser I want to be associated as a winner yet we enjoy winning but there's a certain ego there where you need to go yeah I'm right in what I'm saying I'm better than mm-hmm. you and so so there is ego there so um, like I said I didn't read the article specifically how Jura phrased it but yeah, sure. Of course. I think it's very fair to say. Of course, Brian has an ego. Yeah, he does. He does. You know. So what, what we're saying, Will, is that, is that Morph and myself agree with her. That's, 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 <laughs> no. that's what we're saying. Yeah. yeah. Put that on record, okay? <laughs> I, and, I, and I agree with Sherlock Nan in that you were a donkey when you were running around the horse track up there. I know, Morph. We can that's all agree with each other, can't we? That's the blip. Blow the mesh now. I'm going to start calling you Forest Company more now. <laughs> <laughs> he was a great Joe. runner. I'll take that. You know what it reminds me of? It's episode seven of The Last Dance, which I think we all probably watched and rewatched during the pandemic when a few of Michael Jordan's teammates are asked about whether he was too hard on people and whether, you know, possibly made himself unpopular in the dressing room because of his own will to succeed getting in the way. And the quote that happens just before Jordan gives his kind of infamous speech in it is it's like Michael Jordan, could he have been a nice guy? Couldn't have been a nice guy because of the way that he wanted to succeed. And something that I was quite telling, and I mean, look, you can speak to this, Paul, if you want, was that Eddie Brennan mentioned earlier this week that there was maybe a closer relationship between Cody and the players of his first six, seven seasons. Let's call him his first team. And then after 2005 and the disappointment of that year, he started to maybe bring his circle in a little bit. And maybe the friendliness wasn't quite there because it got to the point where he had to start dropping off some of those players who were maybe big stars, 98, 99 when he comes in, but they were starting to go past their peak in 2005. He gets a new core group of players in. Maybe the relationship's not quite as close. And the feeling that I get from talking to some of his former players, maybe there are some exceptions along the way, but that Brian, and I think you've already said this before on the pod as well, Paul, kept a kind of a professional distance as the years went on. Yeah, there was. There was all. I always say to lads that there is that line between yourself and Brian. And again, I would have come into the training panel with Kenny around 2008 and would have made up numbers in training. And what I will say is that, right, there was a line. But I remember the first night I went into training with Kenny in 2008. We were training at Kieran's College. I walked in the door and I was looking at Brian Hogan. And I remember particularly Brian Hogan and like Jackie Terrell and Tommy. And I was, it was very daunting. Fairness to Brian, like, you know, as in we put on this stern side of him. But he came over and he chatted to me and said, welcome to the dressing room. You know, welcome in and, you know, fair play. And I was, I'd was i hurled under 21 with the Kenny a few nights before and hurled well cornerback. And he just mentioned it and said, listen, you need Anton there. You know, don't be afraid to ask and so on. And he walked off. I'm sure I walked out on the pitch then. And I was kind of looking at, who do I go? Do I shout at someone here to go pucking with them across the pitch or what's the story? And Brian again looked across and saw that I was kind of, I suppose, you know, dragging my feet, coming out, looking, yeah. going, who do I, what do I, and he just shouted at Brian Hogan. I said, Brian, puck with Paul there. And that was it. And he just walked away then. It wasn't a case of you're trying to make a big moment of it or anything, but he understood that. But that was to the extent I'd say I'd, I, I'd, I'd ever seen in terms of this stepping over the line a little bit to, to bring someone towards you. That was it. There was always a line there and I saw Eddie and I think McFenley talking about it during the week that there was a kind of a sink or swim kind of attitude and that was the way Brian, that's what Brian was looking for in players. So his sink or swim attitude, I was dropped for Kilkenny two years in a row. Uh, so 2009, 2010, I was dropped from the panel and then came in 2011 and I had an aggression about me then 
in terms of that I was determined to make the team and do whatever I needed to. And I think Brian saw that then and I think he went, okay, other players walked, would have turned their tail. That's not what I'm looking for. Whereas this fella now is, he's pretty pissed off now and now he wants to come in and now he wants to put his hand up for a jersey. I think that's the reaction Brian was looking for. And when you see, I think when you look at many of the players, certainly when I look at the lads in 2011 and stuff, when we won the All-Ireland, there was a savage aggression in that team in terms of the type of lads you had. Like, you know, if you look at the starting 15 that went out, in the final, like, you know, you had Noel Hickey, Jackie Tyrrell, Tommy Welch, Eddie Brennan. There was aggression in that team, like, you know, and there were players who, you know, Brian knew that if he poked them right, they'd get mad and they'd go out in the pitch and they'd do it. So that's the way Brian liked to, but I understand then Eddie also said that, you know, we maybe we lost out in a few players as well because some players weren't able maybe to, to take that. They didn't, they didn't flourish in that environment. So there is a kind of a devil's advocate to be played on it, but there was a definite line. Can you say it worked? It did. Like it definitely worked. Like, you know, it worked certainly, but Brian, I think Brian knew what he was, Brian understood that, okay, I'm going to lose a few players here, but the lads I want to go out to the pitch are the lads who are willing to like, you know, kill, not die. They're willing to kill when they go out to the pitch. And that's what I'm looking for. And if, and at the same time, if I feel a fella is slacking off a small bit, I'm going to poke the bear, get him annoyed and get him back out on the pitch. And that's the way Brian used to work with. I'm guessing Brian Cody wasn't in like the Kenny WhatsApp group, was he? No, he wasn't. No, no, no. I don't think, I don't know if I ever text Brian, like, you know, as in if I couldn't make uh, work or anything like that, I, I just rang him and say, or I couldn't make it because of work, I'd say, ring him and say, look, Brian, whatever. Yeah, no problem at all. That's grand. And there wasn't any more after that. It was just, yeah, 100%. Thanks for the call, grand. But there was no texting. There was none of that. You weren't sending funny messages or memes around to like you know. So uh, no, there was no. I wasn't part. Actually, sorry. In the last year, there was a group, but it was kind of more like the nutritionists and the physios and stuff in it. But there was no one. There was no one sending in anything into that now, or or maybe doing anything that might hinder them being picked uh, for any matches. Yeah, because that's interesting. Because Eddie said he didn't text him afterwards. Mick Fenley said he did text him. I think just before the All Ireland final, that was kind of the last contact he'd had with Cody. It was just a you know wishing them well, best of luck tomorrow kind of thing. While Eddie said he hadn't texted him after Brian decided to step down, I was kind of wondering whether it would be a case of Cody's phone would be burning up from his ex-players sending him texts. Did you drop him a text? Uh, no, I didn't drop him a text. Um, again, it wasn't not not nothing really in it. Again, I think a lot of it just comes back to um, you know not to say that I wouldn't meet him and you know, geez, congratulations, fair play, Brian, the whole lot. But like I, last time I talked to Brian Cody was the day I finished up. That that was last time we talked. And again, it was just the relationship we had, you know. As in, Brian, hold on, as in, like, that's the last <clears> time you've actually spoken or the last meaningful conversation? That's the last time I would have, I would have talked to Brian. Um, right. Just, to, I haven't bumped into him anywhere. Um, I'd have no reason to pick up the phone and be, well, what are you up to, Brian? Like, you know, as in, that's, we just didn't have that relationship. Myself and Brian got on over the years. Um, you know, I think, not to be saying anything about myself, but I would have always been in train early, went about my work, did whatever. You know, I think Brian acknowledged that um, and it would have always asked me about work and so on and, and, and different things. But again, it was a manager-player role. That's the way we were. Um, when, when I finished up and we were chatting on the phone, it was literally two of us said thanks to each other. You know, we had great times, brilliant, the very best of luck, and, and that was it. But, you know, I haven't bumped into Brian anywhere since. I haven't been at any events that Brian has been at. Um, there's been, you know, and, and like, like I said, when I was hurling, I wasn't picking up the phone to Brian to say, well, how are you getting on? What are you up to during the week? Any holidays planned? We didn't do that. So mm-hmm. the idea that we do that after we finished up is kind of, you know, that doesn't really make sense that that would happen. So I haven't talked to him, but either, look, at the same time, um, you'd be very aware that, you know, people are probably inundated, like no more than when Henry stepped away. I waited a few days to, to get on to Henry because you're sure his phone is blowing up and you'll get lost in the middle of it. So if you are to send him something, you know, give it a few days because they probably can't move. But no, I haven't, I haven't texted Brian afterwards. And again, there's nothing in it. It's just that, you know, 
that's just where where the situation is. You know, just that, that's it. Go on, blow up the phone there and we'll write a message together. <laughs> James Cannon thinks you're great. Brian, good riddance. <laughs> Murph. I wouldn't be texting that anyhow. <laughs> right, Scott, I think we can let Murphy off about giving us insights into uh, what's happened in Kilkenny because I've been very rude and leaving you out of the conversation, but hopefully the listeners will. I'm listening, I'm listening good, don't worry. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, happy, I'm happy to sit back and listen. Enjoyed that little bit of an insight. But um, I want to ask you, um, Scott, about the Porrick Mara one because this one caught me a little bit off guard because... I wasn't expecting that he was going to go into management. I thought it was interesting when he was being pressed by Nathan and Jer last week about the idea of Liam Cal coming in, that he seemed supportive of Liam Cal coming in while saying it was almost like, you know, Colin Bonner has received a very, very short hand here by being removed after just one year when he was told that he was coming in to try and redevelop things with the panel. Yeah. But generally he felt very much well, Liam Cal is the right guy to come in, is the impression I got from the conversation. He must have known at that point that Liam Cal was interested in getting him in as a selector. So in he goes in with Tipperary's TJ Ryan, because a few people were wondering, was it Limerick's TJ Ryan when they saw the backroom team? And Declan Affin, who's been very successful with both Cluck Balacolla and with Lockmore Castellani in recent seasons, is going to be part of the backroom team. And mm-hmm. uh, TJ Ryan, people wonder maybe why he's going in. He was a selector with the underage teams with Liam Cahill with Tipperary. So it's bringing in you know a, a winning team already. And then you put Beavens in as their hurling coach for this year. It's a very, very impressive backroom team that mm-hmm. Tip have. But for Park Mara to go in, we talk about those relationship scale. This is a guy who literally was about to go back into the panel six, seven months ago. And now he's going to be coaching them next year. Yeah, like for, when I, when I heard it initially, I, I I kind of I was very surprised. To be honest, I thought it was quite soon for the man to go back into uh, into inter county senior in that capacity because obviously there are still going to be players who he soldiered with and soldiered with for many years. It's going to be on the opposite side of the fence now at this stage, and he's nearly going to be one of their. I know he's he's a leader in a different capacity, but there there's it's hard for me to explain, and like even more for me to test this as well. That there's like if your best friend was part of a, a management team, there's still. I won't call it a divide. It's the, what's the right word? You're still kind of tentative to share everything with them. You know, if you were if you were a teammate, you'd share everything, no problem, and you can find each other problems and find solutions, etc. But if if there's a person in management, uh, even though you know them quite well, you'd still probably be a bit standoffish for because they're they're part of the management group. And that's the way it is. And that's why I was so su- I was surprised to report that, you know, he he was he has such close connections to that squad already. Not all the squad, don't get wrong, but to the majority of that squad, very close connections from a playing capacity. That I I said, what's his role going to be? But obviously Liam Cahill sees sees quite something something in him. Whether it be, you know, I, I use this phrase like a life coach, how to structure an intercounty hurler's life, etc. Maybe that's capacity. Um, I, I can't see it from a, from a you know from a hurling coach just yet because he's relatively young and he's in his own management career. If I'm going to call it that. Um, so I I'd be watching that with a watchful eye. Um, but like I think I did hear the interview he did with Off the Ball right, like, and he he was very fair to Bonner and fairness in, in acknowledging that. Colin did, did get a tough hand, right? Yeah, and he was quite enough for right about the Liam Cahill um, conversation. So I'd say this was in the grapevine only only recently. I don't think this has happened a month ago, two months ago. I'd say it's only happened the last fortnight. So they've put together a good management team. Like I, I we met uh, like in Capitagia, we met Declan Laffin a few before the start of this year, looking to see could we get him in our own club, and we sat down with him for a couple of hours, and he was a very impressive character. Like so, I you put Liam Cahill his resume, and you put Mikey Bevins, and from from the one conversation I had with Declan Laffin. Like he's he seems like a no nonsense type person as well. So they seem to have put a good group together there there that'll take a I would say a no nonsense approach to be honest, um, with the group that's there and probably they'll probably change the mindset a bit of Tipperary. They'll go back to the Tipperary of old, kind of a you know, let's say us versus the world kind of job and kind of get their own belief inside up to a, a, 
a level that was, I suppose, far higher than what they had this year. So I think it's a good appointment for Tipperary considering all that's happened, um, collectively, everyone. And uh, I'd be interested to see what Parik Maher does um, in his management role this year. Mm. Murph, I was listening to Liam Cowley, who's on Tip FM on Monday, and he was asked about Parik Maher coming in, and he said he's a perfect bridge, was the phrase that he had used, from the playing group to the new management team who are coming in. And like, in a way, it makes perfect sense. You bring someone in who knows everybody, who knows the system, who knows a winning culture with his six All-Stars and his three All-Irelands along the way. At the same time, maybe this speaks to how interested Porik Mara was in staying involved in the game because when he retired, he was talking about that first game going back to watch Tipperary was going to be difficult. I think he went to watch them playing Leash in the National League very soon after he made the announcement about retiring, got over that experience and then did a bit of, bit of punditry during the summer and now he feels that he wants to get right back in the game and coach. Like Maybe this just speaks to the fact that Porik Mara didn't get to retire in his own terms, had to leave a bit earlier maybe than he had planned and this is a way for him now to get back involved in intercounty straight away. Yeah, absolutely. And you're getting that added benefit of the knowledge that Parag Mar is going to bring to it from the point of view of where the game is at at the moment. And, you know, he'll be able to give really, I suppose, relevant and current information about, well, the, we, you know, he's only played the Limericks of this world and the players and whoever's very recently. So he'll actually be able to say, well, actually, players on the pitch, this is what they're feeling, what they're thinking at this stage when they encounter this on the pitch, you know, which even if you've been coaching and you've been coaching, you know, for the last few years and at really high level, you can still take loads of information from a player who's giving you like really current feedback like that. I think for like Zaporik Maher, yeah, there's a few lads in that dressing room he would have, you know, heard with consistently over the years. But the one thing we're saying with this tip team is that there's lots of young players that have come through from the underage teams in Tipperary that maybe should have been blooded over the last few years. And that's that's something everybody's been saying that they, they maybe could have been blooded. So we're really looking at a Tipperary team. It's not a case Park Mar stepped away and he's still looking back into a dressing room with, with, with Brendan and all these lads in there. Like, you know, a few of those lads have, have also stepped away now. So, and maybe more to come, who's to, who's to know as well. But I think regardless, like even if Shamie Callanan is there next year or whoever, uh, Noel McGrandy's as I just still think that they, they'll give Park Mar that respect, um, which will be appreciated, I'm sure. The younger players will be looking at Park Mar going, like there's no better fella to have in a dressing room that has experience for a Tipperary man than, than Park Mar. So I think it's a very shrewd um, call out of Liam Callan. Like you said, yeah, maybe it's a good fit for him that he didn't get to finish on his own terms and he has this bit of fire still in him that he wants to be involved. He has that hunger where he wants to be in a Tipperary senior dressing room. So maybe this is um, the decision that makes more sense for, for, for Paddy Maher and it might work out a treat for Tipperary in the long run. Right. I know the scale has got his big notebook ready for effect for his awards of the year because in classic style we said we'll, we'll do the young player because we never really finished that debate and we'll get the two lads to pick a team of the year and then Skell at the weekend when we had to push back the recording by a few days due to Paul's holidays went geez lads I've really lost the run of myself and I've come up with a million different categories here so I'm intrigued to see the Skell awards of 2022 in a few moments um, but just kind of a few quick fire questions from the listeners um, to throw around here uh, asked here by Tom in Dublin hi lads enjoy the show have Limerick slipped back to the pack a bit this year what do you make of it Skell have they slipped back to the pack um, it's a good question and I can you know I would look at winning margins in, in, in the contrast in different years um, in one side of the argument so you'd say yes okay they've, I won't say they've slipped back to the pack but everyone else has been forced to catch up so I'd say there's probably the lesser of two evils is everyone, has, everyone has, 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 has had to catch up but I will say they still have the answer I keep saying that they still have the answer no one has no one has defeated them, let's say, in championship, and no one has found the answer to beat them. So you can term you can use terminology like slip back to the pack and you can use terminology that people have, have caught up to them, but still no one has overtaken them. So 
I will say no, they haven't. Yeah, and that's without effectively without Keane Lynch for the year we may as well say given yeah. how he was away he's going to come back in um, what a useful player to have come back in um, Shem Hayes in contact do a club based pod for the rest of the year when he knew it was the final one of the season um, watch this space I won't quite commit to doing a club based pod for the rest of the year but uh, it probably won't be our last podcast of the calendar year of 2022 let's put it that way um, here's one that you can take as well Skell Daniel Diskin will Shefflin be using the league next year to experiment again or will he be going out to win it in his second year um, I think he's learned probably or I won't speak from but I'd say I'd imagine he's learned that probably squad depth is something that we probably have to to improve on so I'd say he'll use the league as a platform to kind of test out players that he possibly will see in this year's club championship so I'd imagine I'd say from the months of August through to December he'll He'll probably have a list of names of guys he wants to try out. He'll probably have internal trial games um, before the World Cup and league actually starts and then try and introduce them in in a relatively slow basis, let's say, trying to do... He won't introduce them all together. I'd imagine he'd mix them with 50% starters, you know, as he do in the World Cup and so on. And then that, that list of players, that, that new players, the, the list will dwindle down as time goes along. And I'd say as you get towards the latter stages of the league, heading in towards, obviously, close championship, more starters come in. So I'd say he will use it as a platform to find squad depth um, what position specifically God knows I think we just need I think every every team needs assistance all over the place nowadays because it's a 20-25 man game so I'll answer the question and say yes he will to a certain extent but also he'll have a focus on performance you know mm. he'd want, he want his teams his, and his main guys his main state players to perform um, every so often let's say when they come up against the, uh, the top teams yeah um, we'll give you the next few then Paul Hellbell Furlong call it the next Kilkenny manager who's it going to be? I'll go Derek Ling for now because again all all indications are at the moment um, is you know there's talk out there but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to come to fruition but at the moment look again under 20 manager won the All-Ireland selector with Kilkenny right up to 2019 um, it just seems to point towards Derek Ling at the moment but we could if, if we are doing a podcast in a few weeks we could have a totally different conversation on our hands Right. Um, fair play to Jim Butler, who was in contact earlier saying, will there be another pod? And I had to kind of half apologize to Jim and say, look, we're a bit tardy with when we're getting this done this week, but we will have one. And then Gary Farrell, Gazmun97 on Twitter, jumps in, do a best 15 of Kilkenny players over Cody's time. So, Paul, you can open up on this one because you kind of half did the research for this, uh, picking your team of 30 miles a few weeks ago. Yeah. So you should have some of the base work done. Well, I do, yeah. So, as in... Uh, I suppose the fact that we did the what was it 30 th- last 30 years 30, 30 miles from your home club years, yeah. Um, yeah look again I suppose I'd go Owen Murphy McAvilla Noel Hickey Jackie Turrell Tommy Welsh Brian Hogan JJ I'm going to change it a small bit I had Owen Kelly in corner forward in uh, him. in the last one obviously can't have him as much as we would have liked to we, we can't have him so I'm going to move Richie Hogan into corner forward and I'm going to put in Chaffitz and McFinley in the middle of the field um, now there's a toss up there as far as I'm concerned you could have the likes of Derek Ling and, and Michael Rice and these lads there's, there's a lot to pick from there but I'll go with Chad Fitz and Mick Fenley then we're going Richie Power Henry TJ Eddie DJ Carey um, and Richie Hogan Merciless They're like Scale when you think about it look at those forward options I don't want to talk about it we <laughs> <laughs> need to face a few of them because I came up against them you know what I mean yeah. <laughs> unbelievable and I, I'm looking at the list of players and say that he, I just wrote like all those guys can play in any of the six positions in the forwards yeah. and probably have at yeah. some stage in their career you know, so they're, they're, they're as effective in numbers 10 to, than they are in 10, 12, 15 etc so they're, they're, they were universal players that could perform anywhere and like McFinley is the same way he can play in the forwards play centre back for his club I believe as well Murph 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like we know what Tommy Walsh can do and all the all stars he has. He flipping nearly has an all star in goals <laughs> with the way he went on, you know. So they just have a very, very bad, like very adaptable team. Savage. Anyone you take out scale or any changes you'd want to make? Um I God, I, I find it difficult not to put in Richard Power, to be honest. I think Richard Power when he was in his pomp like he was a fair operator. He, he isn't there, right? Half forward. Wing forward, yeah. Sorry, Sorry, you. Richie yeah. Power, Richie Power, Henry and TJ. Sorry, I have a different list. Go on, who's that? <laughs> your list? I, I, have your fir- I have your first list here, my friend. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I go back to your first list. <laughs> I throw, yeah, so throw no one changes. or two teams. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. changes, Richie's in there. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> the next one, Skell, when the minute I hear Owen Kelly, it is just reminding me of a clip that I was uh, sent by a Tipperary supporter at the weekend. Did Did you see the Owen Kelly shot that went through the did net? Did I see it? William saw it. Go on. William, did I see it? Did it go through it or did it, <laughs> did it go white? It looks like it hit the white flag and went white. It, hit the it looked flag. like it went white, yeah. White so, flag. And again, I know people are going to give out, but that's what it looks like on the video. We only have one shot of it. So the white yeah. flag being hit is a killer there. It's the white flag. Um, I, I, immediately, what I, do, what I do in that situation is I put myself in the position of the goalie. Mm. So I think I'm looking at a six month ban. <laughs> if, if that was me at this stage, because it was blatantly white. And I know I did, I did take up uh, issue with the positioning of the umpires. Because I know the umpire is trying to study the goal, like the. They're being told now, by the way, to go to that position. I don't think it's the best place to be to see, but the, you're going to take issue with where the umpire was. I do, I, I do, because yeah. I, I take everything on level of importance, right? And mm. yes, the goalie might come off the line by a couple of inches, right? But in terms of level of importance, that versus the actual ball in the goal, like they're talking, jeez. The goal, the, the umpire should be able to position himself behind the goal and still be able to view if the goalkeeper comes off the line. It's not that mm. difficult because the goalkeeper will be what. It'll be a maximum three, four yards away from. So if you can't see a goalkeeper stepping out of the line, well, then you shouldn't be an umpire in the first place. Now, don't get me started on officials, please, an umpire. I was going to say, I had a feeling that one would trigger you. I think someone actually had tagged you. I'm triggered. I'm triggered now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just call me Karen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look. There we go. Um, another week. Uh, eventually, officials are going to come back in and say, look, stop giving scale a platform for this. Um, Paul, I'll give you this one first, right? Uh, who could, if you could swap any of your county players and get a Limerick player instead, who would you pick? So that basically means if there was a, I don't know, some kind of trade system right now and you could have any Limerick player, who would you have? Oh, Jesus. You um, have to sell. You don't need to pick any team. So. You have to name the person you're going to sell it. I can't. You have to come on, Murph. This is the rules. Right, give give away Richie Hogan. So, right, giving him away. Um, no, who who would who would I take off Limerick? Uh, should I have to take Jeremy Burns at the moment? At the moment, in form, you'd have to say, like. I mean, again, actually, like Keen Lynch. Okay, but I'm going to go on form, right? But if you're saying right, you have one player, regardless of this year, it's Keen Lynch. Keen Lynch is better. but on form, you'd have to take Jeremy Burns for what he provides, not only defending but going forward. And that's been that's been harsh on like Garrod Hegarty and everything, you know. But uh, I'll go Dermot Burns in terms of form for this year. Yeah, because it, look, it depends on your county. Like maybe if you need mm-hmm. a stellar inside forward, you could go for Galan. If you need a, I don't know, brilliant all round half forward, you could go for Garrod Hegarty. If you need a bit of everything, you go for Gain Lynch. Dermot Burns is form. Who who would you pick for Galway scale then? Paul Knurk. Yeah, he'd be handy, all right. Player. Player. He'd be on the pitch, but he's not a good hurler. He's not a good hurler. I missed that. <laughs> okay, I have to answer the question now, do I? Um, do. I probably, when I look at specific to Galway, I'd probably go Gary Chagrity. I'd probably go just uh, everything he does ball winning ability, mileage, scoring, all around nastiness, everything. I love, I love everything about him, so I'd probably go him. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. 
Um, let's get into Skehel's Red Book then, given that we've uh, satisfied that. <laughs> if we could start with Young Hurler of the Year, I just want to pick up on the YouTube comments last week, which is a very good point because this actually resulted in a bit of a conversation around the best young player afterwards. I think this is actually a really good shout because we were having to think about it last week and we were kind of to and fro and Kevin Barry was in contact and he is suggesting that Cork's Kieran Joyce is a really good contender. Said he was consistent and then he eventually took over the centre-back position from the Cork captain and just 19 years of age. Yeah, it's very true. And in fairness, yeah. it's a very good argument. And I had to go back and kind of review all the games to say that uh, I, I, told, I picked three guys, to be honest. I picked two guys. I went for O'Neill and I went for, I did go for Joyce to say in terms of who I was going to review. And when I went back and see the difficulty in moving position from like a cornerback position, let's say, into a centre-back, such a prominent role, when it became such a problem issue for the team itself and how we performed admirably, it is Joyce. Do you know what I mean? So, but again, like, I, I still wouldn't begrudge anybody. If anyone told me, oh, Conor Neal's getting it, I wouldn't say a word to you. You know, I just think this year above all years, like, there's no one really has put their head above the parapet and it's a difficult one. Put their head clear above the parapet, should I say. They both performed admirably, but I'd say you probably could in, when you look at the level of difficulty involved with moving Kieran Joyce into, from cornerback to six, I'd give it to him. Okay. Murph, do you want to oppose that or are we going with Kieran Joyce's young player? No, I'm going to you mention Keane Kenny. That's who I'm going to mention for Young Her Dear because for me, I mentioned, I think it was after the Munster final we had this debate and Cahill O'Neill was my Young Her of the Year at the time. Um, Hurling centre forward, you know, doing a really good job. I suppose I'm looking at it from the point of view is for ones who, who had most involvement really coming down to the crucial stages of the year and Keane Kenny was involved 1-2 in the, in the semi-final or was 1-3, I think it was 1-2 in the semi-final. Um, and was just involved. He was a really important player the whole year for Kilkenny. I think, you know, if Cahill O'Neill, if we saw a little bit more of him, I could be leaning towards Cahill O'Neill here in this situation. Kieran Joyce, he had a great year. Absolutely brilliant. And for a man of his age to step in centre-back for Cork, um, as well when Cork's year could have went poorly and they turned it around, uh, that move was really important. Um, but maybe just went out of the championship a little bit early for me to go, yeah, that's that's what we're going to go with. So for me, I, I'm just going to go with Keane Kenny. But I agree with James. No one, no one completely took ahead of the pack here in terms of putting her name right out in front. Like, I mean, I think when Owen Cody won it, like, say, the first time, it was like, well, it, this is a dead cert and he's been immense. But um, no, it just, Key and Kenny just pips it for me there. Okay. We kind of agreed last week, and I'm sure we're not going to change our view now. The hurler of the year is Dermot Burns for both of you. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, really. okay. Well, then the floor is very much yours, scale to set the parameters, given that yes. you've gone off to do the homework. And <laughs> like, I'm happy enough with them. And I know we're going to finish the show when we do our All-Star 15 and we'll see what both your selections are going to be. But now I've got the pen and notepad out. Where are we picking um, from here, Scal? I, rid- I have a ridiculous amount of categories here. With them. Now, I think you have to put context on this, Will. Like, I mean, we were landed with this a few days ago where, yes. again, Skell had about 10 minutes in his day where he's like, do you know what I need to do here? I need to create work for myself and send it into the WhatsApp. So we were given a ream of categories. And now, James, you have the floor. So what are the categories? Well, I, so the first one is the performance of the year, the individual okay. performance of the year. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I'm torn between two. I'd say I probably have the same two, but go on. I have Tony Kelly versus Limerick in the Munster final mm. is one and I have Mikey Butler's performance against Tony Kelly in the semi-final is two. Oh, and I can't pick between either of them to be honest because one complements the other. Yeah. Because Tony Kelly in the Munster final scored 13 points was it? 
Yeah, and he, he got that sideline at, at a crucial time. And then when you consider that performance and then you consider what Mikey Butler did on Tony Kelly, I'm like, oh, I can't, I just can't. So, performance <laughs> the year, I'm going to share between the two boys. <laughs> I love this. He creates his own category and then can't pick. I can't pick. But this, <laughs> you have to understand, with, that's my answer. I give you my answer within 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. This took me fucking... Yeah, create this category. And then it's a tie. Yeah, but then I was toying with this like for 40 minutes today, like, you know, in the morning, trying to think. And I was actually going to throw in my, yeah, Munster final Tony Kelly performance was unreal. Actually, a lot of my categories end up with Tony Kelly Munster final performances, but uh, Tony Kelly was the first day against Limerick. That was the 16 points up in Ennis. Yeah. That was like that was actually the one where I was going like 16 points. Like I remember that day because there's been such significant games after it, I was going, Jesus Christ, 16 points. And he was rampant that day. Um and honorable mention as well at Groad Hegarty's performance in the final in an all the final to perform like that um is incredible. Uh, I was certain I, I was certain you'd say Mikey Butler in the semi-final. I, I'll be honest I actually um, I didn't have it down I, the two I had was Tony Kelly versus Limerick the first day and Grode Hegarty and I was trying to be really hard at it I'm going to go I'm actually going to go with Tony Kelly uh, in Ennis 16 points I think that's absolutely ridiculous and he was rampant he was just crazy that day it was ridiculous right Skell next award <laughs> now Skell there's, there's my there, I'm unbiased now can I just clarify I'm unbiased yeah, see, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing, right? I am teeing it up. <laughs> you're giving away a few awards, right? You're giving, you're giving them off. I'll give them guys. away. Give them because away. Because when, when the all-star team completed, when the all-star team comes, you're going to hit us with 10 oh. inlets. You know, like, oh, I'm going to get destroyed. But go on, go on. Right. Keep Next moving. one's always point of the year. And I think for me, it's Tony Kelly's side in the Munster final. Considering everything. Like the context is crucial in this one. Yeah. And the level of difficulty. So Tony Kelly, Munster final, point of the year. I am going with <laughs> Tony Kelly. Uh, he's, he's this heard it from Clare in case you haven't heard of him right <laughs> but I'm going with the one where he hooked Garrod Hegarty in the Munster final rose it ran up the pitch and pointed that's my point of the year an honourable mention to Keen Lynch on his knees with half a hurl against Cork which we like it's ridiculous that you're actually beating that one but yeah. I just think for if you were to show a young player like Keen Lynch is obviously is incredible but if you're showing an all round clip of 20 seconds for what you want from a forward uh, I think you show him Tony Kelly's point. Runs after Groot Hegarty, hooks him, rises it, has the athleticism to turn around and sprint up the pitch. John Conlon even gave up. John Conlon was sporting and said, "Ah, here, there's no point." And then bangs it over. Like and the, the lift it gave, I just thought that was an incredible score. Savage, yeah, I agree. Well, I like that these are the Tony Kelly awards already because you could probably have included the one against Wexford what? when he's on his back late in the game, flips oh, yeah. up, runs through the Wexford defence and pops it over from halfway. <laughs> well, uh, for me, that's where the Tony Kelly award stops now at the moment. Okay, Right, go on. What's uh, next? Real goal of the year, and I have to apologise for this, it, it's Paddy McCormick's goal in the minor final. Oh, yeah. It, it, it oh. was sick. You know, like I have to, again, understanding, again, difficulty, context. I just thought that was awesome. Are we stepping out of the senior championship here a small bit or are we sticking into county? Is that what we're doing? Sorry, well, if, if, okay, I, sh- I should have given you some rules, right? Parameters here, Skell, I'm all about I, I've gone way outside. I'm, I'm just going hurling. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to wait. I, I have, Jesus, I have a whole host of categories here. That, uh, yeah. I can't wait for that Fitzgibbon well, group. Do you know what I'm going to do then? So I'm going to throw it in there then. Point of the year, I'll leave it with Tony Kelly in the Munster final, but honourable mention then, it goes to Martin O'Neill, Moonkine, Junior All-Ireland final. Oh, yeah. He put a sideline over from in front of the tunnel in the Hogan stand. It was, call it 75 yards, and it won the game for them. So that, if we're stepping outside it, I, I have to m- mention that one. It's inside okay. the calendar year as well. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So go on. So your, so sorry, your goal of the year was a minor final. Paddy McCormick's goal where he doubled on it at the end, last book of the game. Oh, all yeah. credit to the ball that comes in as well. It was very clever the way it was set up. But yeah. yeah, it was. Um, excellent delivery. 
goal of the year, I'm actually going to give it. I'm going to give it to Garrod Hegarty in the final to pick up ridiculous. Which, which final? Sorry, sorry, the All Ireland final, the only final that Kenny Man is talking about here. I and mean, we don't talk monster finals, no. But uh, <laughs> no, that was I was actually looking at it. I have um, in my notes here. I have Garrod Hegarty in brackets. Which one? So I was trying to say which one I wanted. No, I'll give him that one. Um, I'll give him that uh, that one for the final because the pickup, like again, I don't think the pickup is talked about enough. He no. turned how he turned the hurl and popped into his hand, and then it was top corner, no doubt about it. Like you know, it was just an incredible goal. And since we are doing honourable mentions and we have stepped away from it, TJ's goal against St Thomas's, it's like that was just absolutely to win the game. Sure what? <laughs> I thought you were going to say great, great goal, great sure goal. I should have expected negativity from you, to be honest. There was no, never I'm going to be a po- positive statement. You would always know. It's not negative. <laughs> it's realism. It's absolute realism. Okay. Okay. But I, I didn't get to chat to you about this, uh, Skell, because this was before we started the hurling pod. Uh, I spoke to Colin Fenley about it. You know, Fenley was pointing out that you know, they had a very deliberate plan to make a bit of space. From a goalkeeping point of view, though, goalkeeper should have made sure he had a straight side in that. Absolutely. Like, it's rule number one. If you can't see the ball, as the best shot stopper on the line. And I can tell you, if that was, we'd never be in that position ourselves, but you would from, have a club, from a club perspective, we'd have a lead to clear him out. Yeah. And clear him out forcefully. At the right time, though, just as Tej is lifting the ball, you're giving him uncleared and giving me a full sight. You know, mm. That's why he should have been saved. Plus, he's flipping 30 yards out. Jesus. He should have been caught and drove up the pitch. <laughs> I know. You know what I'm missing. Right, next category. Go on. You're calling these, so go on. Where am I seeing now? Oh, I have the bit flop of the year. Right, right. Murphy, you go first. You what go do you mean? I go for? I actually, I told you this before. Like floppity, I didn't actually have a flop, but I feel it's going to be similar with my villain. So I don't have a flop, but I'm going to go Hawkeye. Is the flop? Oh, good one. Good and I've also given away my villain of the year, so I'm also going to go with Hawkeye for that because Great. the one thing I would say with it, we know what it missed, but we don't know at the moment as well what it might have missed as well. I think there's a few there. I think there was like said Connor Whelan in Leinster final. There was questions over was one of his points. So again, we don't know what we don't know, but I think, Jesus, it let us down a few times there. So my flop of the year, and it also allows me not to slide tackle anybody. So I don't have to be, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to be the villain this year either. So yeah, Hawkeye. So Juan, what's yours? Well, mine is Watford. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you from the hip scale, go man. Yeah, yeah sure. Look, I'd say they, they gave us so much... Um, you know, reason to believe that they're going to take on Limerick, let's say, and even the match they played in the group game below in in, in, uh, in the gate grounds suggests that this is the, they're going to be forced to reckon with, and then they just flopped. Reasons for reasons unknown. Yeah, reasons unknown. And they can't argue with me. I know you look at people saying, "Holy water, look at they flopped." And that's it. I was blown in today. They played clear as well, and they flopped. Belly flopped. So next category. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think <laughs> that's fair. I mean, look, yeah. after the league final, there were people legitimately saying they're going to be the team going to the All-Ireland final that are going to be the closest to Limerick and as you mentioned once they performed pretty well in the Gaelic rounds I'd say it'd be hard pressed to find not just a Waterford fan but people around the country who would have thought yeah you know what give them a couple of weeks now to regroup after that game they're going to come out of Munster they're going to be hard beaten by anyone for the rest of the year and here we are now talking about them being managerless at the start of August and having watched most of the championship from home. I, I, yeah, like, I have no problem with that. I have no problem admitting that I was one of those people that said, yeah, this is the team to take Limerick on. Yeah. And that's why I'm so surprised at actually the overall outcome. So, um, like, I wonder if, if they actually performed, let's say, to their capabilities, and let's just say uh, the, 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 they were, it was them that was facing Limerick there and fine. And I'm, I know I'm talking very mm. theoretically here. Would Ian Cahill have left? Still, hmm, interesting one. 
We never know. <laughs> we won't. Uh, and I, I don't think we'll ever, yeah. we'll ever know the actual behind the scenes on that and either. This is, this, is, this is mind space that I don't need to occupy. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to occupy. I just move on because I'm talking theoretical. Yeah. This is just like making up the list now. You're going, yeah. theoretically, if in a parallel yeah. universe, Waterford had beaten Tipperary, what might have happened by the end of the year? Yeah. Do, you see, um, do you see how I just get lose one of myself? We, we, know, we, we know this a long time ago, Skeletal, so it's, yeah. Don't, ex- yeah. Yeah, don't explain yourself. So right. the flat, next one is the villain. So I've already said, uh, I've already, you've already said Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah, again. Yeah. And that, that, that goes across hurling and football, so go on. Yeah. Yeah. I know, we, we spoke about half an hour with him here, but I'm saying Brian Cody, handshake. Okay. Yeah, all he's missing was the Darth Vader suit, that day. So, <laughs> <laughs> does, does that mean handshakes or handshake? Shakes. Are you including Plural, the Leinster final in this as well? I, I I was allowing, you know, I was given the benefit of the doubt on the, the wrong problem game. I was, right? Okay. But in the Leinster final, when I watched it, I was pissed off. Mm-hmm. I couldn't like as a guy man even by pissed off I say so he's my villain that shouldn't have happened and we've, we've said we've, we've given enough air time here as to why it shouldn't have happened the two of us three of us should I say so yeah um, and now we can't aim it in next year yeah the, em- the Empire are gone so you can breathe easy the Empire is gone yeah um, right then after the party's on end or after that where are you going next Gal? I have one last category I'm going to leave it okay. this I have the well, unsung hero yeah Okay. and a man on this podcast is getting it we look at them. You're the young song hero. My God. Yeah. Well, and you're going to say, now, yeah. why? You're going to say, why? I'd say, you did very well to facilitate a podcast with regards to the contest between us two. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, you're some crawler, Scott. <laughs> you behave well. You behave well. I have to say, um, in, in drawing out some good answers out of us, like, so Will, here's your award. Here it is. Not on the short list to be part of season two. Very good. Uh, <laughs> I see. I see. I see where I fucked up. Now it is the problem. <laughs> I feel bad now. I had Killian Dyle of Westmead going. Geez, there's no way Skettle will top that. You. He only scored about fifty points in the championship. So yeah, fifty-eight points, and he's joined second top score in an individual game at fourteen points uh, with Donald Burke and Lee Chin scored fourteen, and Tony Kelly bet them by he scored. He scored 16 in that game, but Killian Doyle scored it against Galway and Kilkenny, 14 points. So, and I don't think we talked about it enough. And again, like I said, 58 points in five games. So, unfortunately, now you, you gave it to Will. So, I'm, I'm, the rug is swept from under me See, there. Morphless, but I still uh, think that's a good unsung hero. Morpheus is chestnut checkers. I was going to say, yeah, the strategy here is carnage. I will, I'm going to be replaced now next year. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, we need you, Murph. We need you. <laughs> We'll keep an eye out, Skell, and see what Kilkenny yeah, players see. don't end up in the management team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait for I the response this year. Look what I was going to ask him on this well. price. I know the answer, anyways. I'd get some token answer. Well. I was going to say, Morph, if you were asking to be part of the management team in the senior panel, would you? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I'd be fair uh, tempted, like, but I don't know. Like, I, it's, it's, it's a big. More, that's more info than I was expecting, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, well, like, you'd have to think about it. Like, if someone's asking you in, you'd be going, Jesus, you know, this would be hard to know. Like, it's in, obviously, it'd be exciting and different things. Like, but it's a huge commitment. Like, even if you're a selector or whatever, it's it's enormous. Like, you'd have to look at work. You have to look at family life. You have to look at everything. So, which is, I wouldn't be able to answer that at all now. Now, the obvious follow-up question to that is, if Brian Cody had asked you in last year, would you have been tempted? No, no, I wouldn't have, no. Fair enough. Um, uh, uh, like, that would have been too quick for me now because I wouldn't know like like Paulie Mara went in let's say fair play and he understands where he is but I just think I would have all would have been too quick I think I would have been making the decision based on a bit of uh, emotional attachment to the situation rather than what's actually good for me or if I'm good for the situation like so no no I wouldn't well there's only one place to finish the year lads and that is your team of the year 
I think having looked at a few selections that people have put up, there's going to be two or three contentious areas. This maybe isn't as bad as the football, but I think we've kind of agreed that we're, we're going to try and do with your two selections here. And you can have a team each if you want. Um, I'll scribble them down. Is try and keep it as close to the positions they actually played. Like, yeah. let's try not to have an opt out here where a midfielder ends up in the half forward line, etc., just to get them in. Yeah, and I think what we talked about before, I, again, I was asking around as to how exactly the All Stars is picked, and so again, I think we're o- leaving this open to, to, uh, I suppose, to be corrected. But um, our understanding of the All Stars and what I've been told is that they picked, let's say, the six best backs and just put them into positions. It's not best position; it's just the six best backs. So for me, that's completely different to picking your best 15 who played in around the position. So for me anyway, and Skell, I don't know what way you picked it. I've, unfortunately, this player is going to lose out and there's people who disagree with it, but I've tried to stick closely to if you played in that position, you can move across the line, but you can't move back and forth lines unless you've actually played in that position. Or I, I would say position. substantial game time there. Like not a, yeah. this guy played midfield one game, so he's midfield. Or it's yeah. Yeah. Right, go on, Paul. Let's give you a 15 here. Oh, oh, here we go now. I'm going to get right. I'm going to start off. And now I feel the Limerick crowd are already going to turn me straight away, but I'm going for Owen Murphy in the goal. Reason I go for Owen Murphy, and I feel there's probably two players here that'll have to give an explanation for Owen Murphy. I just thought it was like, again, a lot of people are talking about the puck outs with Nicky Quaid. Nicky Quaid is an exceptional goalkeeper, of course. I mean, he's outstanding. And we're, we're actually very lucky to have a generation where we have the likes of Owen Murphy and, and uh, Nicky Quaid together. But, I, you know, what's based on the puck outs, for me, it's, it's very heavily weighted on the puck outs. Whereas when you look at the shot stopping, like Owen Murphy's uh, save against Conor McDonald is, for me, in the top three saves of all time, like about eight yards out inside Nolan Park I thought that was an incredible save again against Clare about five minutes to go shot on him you know a very good shot and he saved it uh, I thought he had an outstanding year and I just think a few more saves from Nicky Quaid and he would have it for me but I don't base it fully on the puckouts because I think the movement of the Limerick forwards was exceptional and I think if Owen Murphy was maybe po- faced with that his puckouts would be up in the 70% succession rate uh, category and so on so Owen Murphy for me in the goal Okay, what might be easier actually if we, what we'll do is we'll pick a position and you can pick a position each and yeah. we can kind of go through. So, Skell, who are you going for in goal then? I'm going for Nicky. Okay. Do I have to justify my selection? No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, like, I don't think either of these really need to be justified. No, to be well, I just think, that, I just think yeah. when we're talking about an all-star team and it was similar to what we said last week about Jimmy Burns and Hunter of the Year, the margins are minute. Yeah, minute. yeah. And any, any, a grain of salt will tilt, will tilt the scales you know, in, in this argument. So I'm just going for Nicky. Just, I just felt that he was just a little bit, a little bit above all. That's all. Yeah. That's okay. Fair enough. Right, Paul, give us your full back line then and we'll get Scales full back line then after that. Here we go. Mikey Butler, Hugh Lawler, Barry Nash. Agreed. And that's great because one thing I would say, and I, I was expecting actually he to go right, and it's very hard because I, 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 Sean Finn is absolutely exceptional and nobody argues that whatsoever and had a great year. But I was doing the maths in this and I had to look back to make sure I was right. And correct me if I'm wrong. Mikey Butler, let's say from the Leinster final, the All-Ireland series, let's say. Leinster final, Cottle Mannion, uh, he marked Tony Kelly, he marked uh, Graham Mulcahy and he marked Peter Casey and none of them scored. That's they didn't score in the games. Am I wrong in saying that? Like I look back at it, he marked Cottlemanian from the start. Cottlemanian didn't score in the Leicester final. He marked Tony Kelly. Tony Kelly didn't score. Graham Mulcahy didn't score in the final, and Peter Casey replaced him, and didn't score. Now I'm sure we could find a clip of where players changed over for about a minute while they lost their man. But my reckoning was, and Lee Chin in the match before that scored two points off. Him. 
So the match in Nolan Park, the last game. So if you want to say Lee Chin, Kyle Mannion, uh, Tony Kelly, Graham Mulcahy, Peter Casey, they all scored a cumulative two points of Mikey Butler from cornerback. I'm open to correction, but I think that's exceptional. Like. I think no matter what happens on this one, Scal, one person is going to probably feel very hard done by when the awards come out in a couple of months' time. Because... Yeah. It's going to be Finn or Butler who's going to miss out most likely. I don't think Nash is going to miss out and yeah, Lawler probably is probably going to be named full back. So in all likelihood, it's one of Butler or Finn scale. One is going to be very unhappy not to get one this year. See, my, my The reason I went for, for Mikey Butler was because predominantly Sean Finn was located within the corner for, for or with the, located within you know the parameters of the full back line. So he, he didn't have to, to, to range too far. Mikey Butler ended up 70 yards from goal of stages, 100 yards from goal of stages, and still managed to go about his duties. Like, so I, that's why I just, it just tipped the scale. Again, very similar argument to Nicky and Owen in the goals. I could have put in Sean Finn, no one about an eyelid, no one to say a word. No. But I just think, like what Mikey Butler did in his first year, Murphy, Mur- Mur- Yeah, first year. first year, yeah. In his first year, let's say. So, so in, in American sports terms, he's a rookie. And what he produces as a rookie is unreal. Yeah. Okay, Paul, half back line then. Jimmy Burns, Declan Hannon, and uh, Porrick Mannion. Agreed. That was a bit too much agreeing going on here. Oh, give it a second, Will. Let's get to the half forward line. The forward line is going to be carnage now. Wouldn't be too worried, <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah. again, I think um, this is very, it's very difficult to argue with that. I mean, Mannion has made pretty much every selection. He's possibly getting moved over to the other side to be accommodated into the team, but I don't think anyone could argue against him. Hannon had a very good finish of the year. We were only talking about how well he played in the final, which is important. We waited towards the big games and there's no one arguing against the hurler of the year. So I think the three of them are in. By all means, by the way, in the comments or on the YouTube comments particularly, have a fire back and say that we're totally wrong with the selection here. But uh, I don't even argue those three. Right, so midfield then, Murph. Uh, Adrian Mullen and David Fitzgerald. Okay, this might well be contested now. Go on, Scal. Yeah. Adrian Mullen and Joseph Cooney. What did David Fitzgerald score in the championship? A lot. I remember looking at him a few weeks back. Was 218. It? What did Joseph Cooney score in the championship? It's going to be more because you're Go going on. to use that as it's a stat. It's 218. The reason I, use, I say this is because Joseph Cooney played two games in the backs. When you okay. consider the garage Mac went down. That's why, and I just think overall, in terms of influence, like he was excellent against Limerick, excellent against Cork, when he was in the backs. Um, was very effective against King Long Robin and in the Mr. Final to a certain extent in the forwards so I'm going to to him now that's the only contentious one I have from a, from a position perspective hmm. because he did spend a lot of time he was always named midfield maybe didn't spend an awful lot of time there but he was named <laughs> midfield so, <laughs> so I'm, gonna, I'm sticking to it you were you were definitely testing uh, the parameters we set but hey no he primarily did play good in midfield yeah Okay, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some people, Scale, we're going to fire back at you and say, Galway bias here. You've put two Galway lads in here straight away in our first eight. Okay, hold on a second. Right? <laughs> Give me a chance to answer. I'm yeah. speaking on behalf of the list. He's facilitating he's the conversation, no, no, James, he's, so I'm getting defensive now. He's not. He's, he's saying it because he's thinking it. He's saying it because he's thinking it. That's why. Okay. Um, like, they got to the semi-final. Um, they ran Limerick extremely close. You know, pr- produced a great performance. So I see why you couldn't have two or three other players. I can't see why. Yeah. 
I know, that's fair enough. I said I'd throw it out there because people will be thinking that. Yeah, so I threw it back in there now. <laughs> I've, made, I've made peace with the Galway people in recent times. I bumped into a Galway supporter on the train last week on the way back from the Camogie and he said, I saw your hurling rankings at the start of the year and I, the first thing I pointed out, I said, by the end of the year, I think you'd be in the top four. It's exactly where they finished and then we had a bit of a chat and all was good. So I'm taking him as every Galway yeah, yeah. supporter by the end of the year. <laughs> um, half forwards then, Murph, who are we going for? Going Groat Higarty, Tony Kelly, and TJ. Again, I saw the Sunday game put Tony Kelly in corner forward. I can't I can't push it that far. So I'm going Groat Higarty, Tony Kelly, TJ. Skettle, you're gasping. No, there's no Shane attack. O'Donnell. So let's see if Shane O'Donnell's in Skettle's picks. No, I put Garage Higarty, Kyle Hayes, Tony Kelly. Ooh. Oh. So you're putting TJ on the inside forward line then, not to be a spoiler. Yeah. I am. Okay. Again, I don't think anyone can really argue with that. TJ did a lot of hurling in the corner this year. Yeah. Yeah. So you are having Kyle Hayes. They scored five seventy nine between the three lads. It's fair going. Okay. It is. No, all three of them had remarkable years. I think I think Hegarty and Kelly absolutely nailed on. And Scale then we'll let you go first on the inside forward line because you've just given one away. You're putting TJ Reed in the corner then. I'm putting TJ in the corner, I'm putting Galan in full and I'm putting Connor Reed in the corner. Ooh. It's been a good year for Goliath and the All Stars here. And again I will debate that till the cows come home with. <laughs> you know that man was critical everybody was saying every pundit in the country was saying that the critical to go always cause Whelan and he, he like he performed fierce well he performed very well like Sharon Donald scored 15 points hmm. Conor Whelan scored 218 so if you're using statistics and you look at the scoring and say something Conor Whelan was a one man wrecking ball in terms of work rate so I know he's the one I'm going to have to justify <laughs> so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm harping on top of him okay Paul, reveal your inside forward line and we can talk about O'Donnell maybe being unlucky then if he's not picked a corner forward here, which I'm guessing he's not. Okay, well, what I will say is I'll throw my maybe contentious full forward of Kyle Hayes who played for against Cork and Tipperary at full forward. So I'm going to put him there. Maybe he didn't light it up there, but I don't think I'm overly bending the rules to say, you know, Kyle Hayes is at full forward. More of his displays came from further out the field, but... I don't think I'm pushing it too far. I'll let you decide that. Well, um, if you really wanted to, you could cheat here and swap him and TJ Reid around if you want. Yeah, you could. I'll be honest. So once you see my forward line of Aaron Galan in right corner and left yeah. corner of Connor Whelan, well, uh-huh. we actually have the same six forwards, just just in different positions. Yeah, I just think again, like Connor Whelan, like he was. I, I thought he was. It'd be disappointing if he didn't get an All Star. He was really good all year, and you know he was causing so much trouble from inside in the full forward line like for him to lose out for a half hour to push him into full forward I just think it's a bit of a I think it's disappointing on Conor Whelan if that was to happen so no I agree with you there Skehill Right is Shane O'Donnell hard done by then Paul? Uh, he's hard done by by our system it's not hard done by it's look there's lots of lads there who are the number four let's say on the list to come in into any of those lines like I mean if you were to look at the back line people will often look at the forward line in an all-star team and if a player goes from right corner forward to left, or let's say right corner forward to left half forward, they don't really give out. But in the full back or in the in the back line, if that happens, there's uproar. Whereas mm. if I was to pick my best six backs, unfortunately I moved Park Mannion out of it and Sean Finn would be in there. But that's not the way I'm working it. Shane O'Donnell loses out by the same token, you know, that with three exceptional half forwards there in Groot Hegarty, Tony Kelly, and TJ, and he just loses out there. It's tough, but like that's the way I'd be picking the team. Okay. Um, your thoughts on O'Donnell and Skell given that our Clare listeners are definitely going to be angry so go on well I, I had three guys who were lucky to miss out and I agree with Paul in the sense that there, there is a fourth guy for every line um, Shane O'Donnell is my fourth guy in the half forward line David Fitz is, is my third guy in the uh, in the midfield line you could say and I do give an honorable mention to David McInerney in the half back line 
So like, he, he had a very, very stellar year. Like when you consider that it was a demolition job by Kilkenny on top of Clare and you look at the two guys, three guys who, who performed admirably, it was the three guys I just named for Clare. So I know there's a, there's going to be an all-out attack now on us here <laughs> in the Clare crowd, but <laughs> look, again, I, and I have to repeat, all the 15 guys we picked, um, albeit there's only been what, I think there's been maybe two, you have two differences in your team, Murph. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Like, again, very hard for me to argue your team, You hard for you to argue my team, and so on. So it's just that the margins are so fine. Yeah. Hmm. Look, he's at jscale01 on Twitter if you want to send abuse as well. Um, lads, it's been it's been a pleasure for the season. I'm going to call it the season, not the year, because again, we have a few things to work out, but I have a feeling that we will be back in a few weeks' time. We can go enjoy the club championships for a little bit now and we can reconvene uh, with some ideas we've had in a few weeks' time. But um, it has been a pleasure over the last 24 weeks or so. It's been great, yeah. Really yeah, enjoyed it. Been crack, yeah. Great, yeah. <laughs> and uh, like we said, Will, uh, props for facilitating us really because that's wasn't an easy task and it was uh, rough around the edges for the likes of myself and Skettle. But uh, you, you were the glue to pull this together. Look at them now, yeah. making sure they're part of uh, <laughs> we're also the man that laughed five. first when Skettle broke the chair in Limerick. So that also you deserve credit for that. Like, and we're closest yeah. to him and didn't help him. So, I mean, <laughs> this is extremely true. Well, no, Joe <laughs> was the closest to him and he was fine, Quaid was was behind him he was fine <laughs> once I saw the point pop back up lads I knew he was absolutely good to go for the rest yeah, of the night my back hasn't been the same since <laughs> <laughs> no well, look, I, I watched the video I watched the video a good few times Will and uh, thank you for your lack of assistance Okay. so so of the listeners and viewers it did quite well when we stuck it up online I had a feeling it would um, so look looking forward to chatting to you guys in a few weeks again thanks to the listeners uh, I was amazed loads of people in contact saying where was the pod this Monday so that's always a good sign when people realise that you haven't been around we will be back in a few weeks time thanks a lot to everyone who has shared the podcast around who has given us a like even on the YouTube or be the human algorithm uh, by telling their friends about the hurling pod it's gone really well we've been very happy with the uh, feedback and the listener and viewer numbers that we've had so far this year so hopefully uh, it means that we'll get the chance to come back and talk to you guys in a few weeks time lads take it easy and good luck in your uh, club campaigns over the next while as well sound lads we'll talk to you